From Grain to Glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Miles. This is the best beer show on the internet. According to our mothers. So, Miles, what have you been up to this week? Hey, so I attempted to make that Pilsner that I've been up playing so hard over the last few weeks. Yeah? Failure. Yeah, don't say. Oh, yeah. It It was painful start to finish. Just... Everything that could have gone wrong pretty much did. And in the end, I figured that uh, the concept behind the beer was just made moot on every level possible. So here's how it went down. Uh, you had the grain and yep. the hops. And so I came over, I, I picked up the grain, I picked up the, the hops, and then I went to the liquor store to get grab some yeast because you don't necessarily have that on hand, yep. which is fine. And I went... And picked up some distilled water so I could do my, you know, whole water treatment regimen, which, and and that part went fine, I, I suppose. I was able to mix the water just fine. Adequ- yes, yes. I can make water. <laughs> I can make water. Uh, and then I got all of my stuff, you know, set up and ready to be used. And then I pour in the grains. And then I pour in the water, and it's like a simultaneous realization for when I'm pouring it in and me realizing that I didn't crush the grains. <laughs> the nubiest mistake I have made. Crushed sin- grain. Oh, needs my that? God. And I didn't want to have to go and buy uh, more water. So, should I decline that? Yep. <laughs> uh, I didn't want to have to go and get more distilled water to make more uh, of the mash water because I didn't have a car anymore and I would have to try and bike all the way across town and back with a gallon or two. Yep. Um, so, I tried to drain out the the water from the mash and I was just going to reuse it. Okay. It makes sense to me. I, I was going to use the, the drill pump to, not the drill pump, the chugger pump to get it out. I turn it on, and I hear this sickening snap inside of it. Ooh. Oh, it scared the crap out of me. I was, like, I turned it off right away, and I just stood there, and I didn't know what to do. Like, I, I didn't want to open it up because I knew what happened. I just, I knew what happened. I broke the propellers in there. A thing that I already said I didn't think we could do. <laughs> uh, so I salvaged the water. I got a colander and I separated the grains from the water. collected it all. I only lost about a quarter of a quart. Mm-hmm. So honestly, I, I figured that wasn't a horrible thing. Um, opened up the, the chugger pump. Found out it was still okay. And I'm like, oh, thank God. Just hit a grain kernel? or I, I, th- I think I must have. That it just snapped and yeah. went through really quickly and really hard and just scared the crap out of me. Because the propellers look like they're made out of this rock stuff. And it sounded like a rock breaking. Uh, then I went into town. I grabbed some more grain. Crushed it this time. Came back. Got it all set up. Put the water in. Started heating it up. 
and uh, as I've done in the past, I would periodically turn off the heating element just to see where the temperature would max out at by comparison to where it was already reading, and it never went above like three or four degrees, and I'm like, okay, so we're set, this is going to work, and it gets up to about 150, and then 155, and 160, and 165, and at this point, I'm like pouring in cold water, at one point I tossed in a couple of ice cubes to try and help bring it back down. Yeah, but at that point, you've already overshot way too far. and I know, I know. And so I was just going to, tr- I mean, f- fortunately, it wasn't beyond enzymatic reaction. I never yeah. got it that high. Um, but trying to bring it down, it ended up staying at a little over 155 for over half the mash. And then it finally decided that it was going to come back down and stay exactly where I wanted it to. And that was so frustrating. Yeah. And... So I, I let that go through. I drained it, and I was going to add more water for the sparge. Did not have quite enough, and all I was doing was burning the bubbles with the heating element, and it turned black. And I'm like, this can't be good either. So it it had not enough sparge water for not enough time with not enough heat, and then I just pulled, you know, I, I turned it off, and I just pulled second runnings and I was going to decide whether or not I was going to keep it or toss it depending on the gravity. You know, it's like if I got, you know, in and around 70-ish percent, you know, maybe I I would have kept it. N- no. And then your hydrometer or your your uh, refractometer was here. My refractometer was nowhere to be seen. There was no part of so uh, I ended up coming here and meeting with a relatively distraught Casey, a well, relatively intoxicated Casey. Casey also, was not having a good day. Who was also not having a good day. Oh, man, yeah. So we sat and we had Oktoberfest. And it made everything just that much better. It did. I felt a lot better. Uh, you and Carlos had brats. And we got drunk and watched Twister. We watched most of Twister. Most of Twister. I got bored. Yeah. And then I went home and I dumped the beer. Because <laughs> there, was, there was nothing about so it. So a resounding night. success. A resounding. So little victories. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I think I decided uh, where I'm going wrong with my mash ton. Okay. And I think it's that... So I, I keep talking about how I try and bring it up to these lower temperatures mm-hmm. and it not overshooting. Um, two things wrong with, with what I had been doing. Uh, one is that it's just literally in the process that I never told it to be at these temperatures. It just mm-hmm. happened to be in those areas. Uh, and two, trying to add cold water to cool it down afterwards probably only helped make it worse. Because it needs to, like like I said, the, the, the controller I have learns. And if it tr- if I'm teaching it that if it goes a little too high, that I'm going to add ice water, it you know, that's not a good thing. That it needs to be able to find the temperature on its own. So I think what I need to do is actually set it for a low temp, let it overshoot by a lot, then come back down, and then raise it up. 
to to actual mash temperatures. Okay. Uh, it it might end up adding fifteen or twenty minutes to to a mash time, but I figure worst case scenario, I can choose a uh, a rest temperature and and go with there. Yeah. Go with that, and I wouldn't be extracting or wouldn't be at risk for extracting tannins. I could probably help improve some of the quality of the mash if I stay in if I just happen to be in a in a good temperature area at the time, and then. Ideally, I would be able to safely bring it up because it knows uh, how to not overshoot by ridiculous amounts. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So there's that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have been, uh, I guess, last you guys heard was before uh, we recorded right before our party, our our BNS end of the year kegger. So a little bit of the aftermath of that, uh, we kicked keg one about two hours in. <laughs> so we acquired keg two, which which was a half barrel instead of the quarter barrel that we had before. Oh, you had a six still, didn't you? No, it was a quarter. It was okay. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a six still, and then I looked at it some more, and it was bigger than a six still. I thought it looked a little yeah. bit bigger, but I wasn't going to try and. I, yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I see. I said it was a quarter, and then Matt's like, "No, no, no, it's just a six still." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." I'm like, "I thought right. it looked too big." Yeah, it was. It was big, and then the one that we got is even bigger. And we've slowly been working. We, we drank a little over half of it that night. Yeah. Um, and then I've been pegging away slowly at it. It's not an easy task. No. Well, and what I'm gonna do, I just need to find the time to do it. Is I'm going to transfer it into Cornies. Makes sense. And then I can go get my de- keg deposit back and actually put kegs in the kegerator. <laughs> I mean, it's in there, but I have to pop the lid in order to tap it. But I liked your uh, false cover for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, well, and that'll go, like, I took that off because we weren't drinking it constantly, and it doesn't keep the cold in quite as well as, <laughs> yeah, I, I had taken all a bunch of six-pack holders and created, like, a cardboard lid. <laughs> because the the CO2 attachment was too tall, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just ridiculous. So, yeah, so that was that. Um, and then we just had all the gremlins in the basement, uh, or in the studio the other day, so... Yeah, it was it was just kind of a rough week. It did not end well. Yeah. It, well, I suppose this week's going to end well. This this week should end okay. We'll find out. We don't want to counter counter chickens, but should be good. Uh we are heading on our way to Decorah, Iowa to uh imbibe at Toppling Goliath for Eric's bachelor party. Yes. Uh you guys know Eric, he is our uh occasional co-host uh on the show here. Yep, uh, uh, and he's our he's our barrel buddy. Yeah, he's our quote unquote barrel expert. Um, also, we tried the barrel. Yes. Oh my and god! And it was it was your first time trying oh my the barrel. God. Yes. What 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 were your thoughts? Chocolatey. So chocolatey. So chocolate, and it's the right kind of chocolate. Yeah. That that's what really got me. Is it's almost like. Hershey's syrup style chocolatey goodness. Yeah. And then you guys added the maple. Yes. And it, oh. That maple is so good. Such good maple. Yeah. And then he wants to add coffee. I'm like, it's good now. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I'd almost be scared to add coffee because I know it's already 
at at a certain level. Yeah. Uh, it just it, it really makes me happy that something we put so much thought into is is turning out really really yes. well. Yes, and I'm really excited for that to for that to be done. We just got to figure out when we can bottle it. Oh, and Eric doesn't know what lift it up. Lift it up means. I missed that one. I was grilling. Oh, my God. I could have punched him. So we were transferring. So we we transferred the beer out of the barrel. Uh-huh. And we were putting some more beer in the barrel. Yep. And I told him that or excuse, so we couldn't see in, into it. And so we ended up overflowing just a little bit. Yeah. Which is otherwise... To be expected, but then yep. we put it or we started uh, filling more into a growler right away. Excuse me, and I told him when it starts getting high, all you have to do is just lift it up to stop the siphon effect. And when it started getting up there and started overflowing, I was yelling at him to lift it up, and he did not understand what that meant, and more beer got spilled. It ah, was it a happens. sad moment. It happens. Oh, man. I, I I think it was actually just straight up yelling at him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I'm like, ah, what? I, we talked. That's about okay. This. Music was blaring outside, and we were pretty intoxicated. Actually, I think that was that was about the time the barrel or the the keg kicked, and we were trying to find another. <laughs> <laughs> it was a stressful moment, uh, and then we had to go out of our way to try and invite every able drinking mouth. Yeah, I mean, we had sixteen or eighteen people. At one point, yeah, it just was hammering some of that beer. It so was, I ended up having to leave early. You did, it, which was a bummer. I didn't want to, but I think I was getting really dehydrated. Yeah, well, Eric left early too. Did he? Well, I mean that that doesn't surprise me. He's yeah. you know he's got to drive, but I I had less of an excuse. Yes, because I could have just stayed there and I had a bicycle and yeah. Yep. No, it was a lot of fun. It was. Right. It was a great time. So, let's talk about uh, something weird, a homebrew. Yes, that is something we have in front of us. Yes. All right, so this is an Oktoberfest. I brewed. Uh, I didn't write a date on here because that would make sense. Um, the recipe uh, for 10 gallons Dates is... are hard. I know. Uh, 10 pounds of pills, uh, 6 pounds of Munich, 3 of Vienna, and 2 of Munich. For a total of six, 19, 21 pounds of grain, I did two and a half ounces of tetanang at 60 and an ounce of tetanang at 20. Um, and then I used, I don't remember what yeast I used in these. Don't you write this stuff down? I do and I don't. <laughs> this was this was uh, the one of the beers during one of my Monster Brew weekends. Oh, so, that's right. And so, like, I get the basic recipe down, and then, like, I'm just brewing so much. Yeah, it, it was a hardcore weekend. Yeah. Uh, was I a part of that? I, was, I think I was. Was I a part of that? I don't know if you were a part of well, this I mean, beer I, specifically. No, but not, not this beer specifically, but was I there that weekend? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, we did the uh, the Berliner. That's right. That needs to get bottled soon. Yes. Okay. Um, I have a few uh, things about this beer that I want to talk about, but I want to know your opinion first. Uh, first off, um, it, it, it's surprisingly clear. You did a really good job clar- clarity-wise. Um, the glass I'm looking at right now has a little bit of, of, of haze, beca- but that's because some of the sediment from the bottle yep. got poured in. Uh, I, I was getting greedy with 
how much I wanted to get out of it. Uh, clearly, it tastes like an Oktoberfest, so you definitely have that going for you. One of the qualities that I really like about it is the it's got like a roasted caramely flavor to yep. it, uh, but it's more of an accent and less of a you know front yeah. punch in the face, which I really really enjoy. Um, really sits well with me. Uh, it looks great. It's got the right color. The head is a lot better than normal for a lot of homebrews. Yeah, no, and it's it's sticking around. We poured these <clears> at the beginning of the or before the show started, and there's still yeah, it still white looks like we just poured there. it yeah. pretty much. Um, yeah, it it it's pretty clean. Uh, decently or finishes dry in the in the Casey style. I have very few complaints about this beer, actually. I'm, I'm quite fond of I it. I want to hear more complaints. More complaints? Well, you tell me what you what your thoughts are on um, it, and I'll, I'll delve a little more into it. Well, my lagering process uh, got a little interrupted, and so uh, not not necessarily this batch so much, but the the other one. There's some very uh, there's some off flavors that really stand out, and we'll try that one uh, either next week or the week after. Okay. I'll, pu- I'll pull a couple of those bottles out because I split it into two fives, and like just where they were in the cooler, um, some different things happened. Um, I think the caramel's just a little too much. Okay, I like to back off on that just a little bit, and it's almost too dry. Like I I know, but for my Oktoberfest, I. I like a little bit of the sweetness there. Sure. Um, and so I want to I wanna pull that up, too. Fair enough. Um, I don't know that I would want, really want to change much. There, There is something a little um, off way at the back end. Yep. Um, but the more you drink it, the less you notice it, unless you want to sit there and try and find it with every sip. Yeah, and I think, I think that might have to do with uh, my lagering process getting interrupted. It's yeah. the only thing I can think of that would cause that. Yeah, otherwise I, I can't, really, can't really find much fault with I, it. It's drinkable and delicious. It so. is, and I'm a big fan of Munich. I even made a beer with nothing but, but Munich, Munich. Uh, which... Begs for something else to be in there. <laughs> that's, that's the easy way of putting yep. it. Uh, no, I'm 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 very fond of this beer. Okay, cool. Yeah, I I think anything beyond do that. I, would do just I be have uh, mash temps and stuff in here? Yeah, I might. Hang on. Cause I oh, yep, I mashed at one fifty one. One fifty one. Yeah. Would you pull that up to one fifty five? Yeah, I think so. And that and that might just help the finish just a little bit. Yeah, change the sweetness. Yeah, like, but using Pilsner. And doing a lager, I tend to go on the lower side, just because like my pills, I mash at one one forty nine. Yep. And, like, cause I want that beer to be so dry and so crisp and ready to go. Almost puckery. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think about the bitterness? The bitterness, I th- I think is spot on. Okay. Um, when it comes to a good Oktoberfest, it, it it's weird. In, in the way I'm about to describe it, I don't know if it's accurate in your eyes or not, but you can definitely tell when bitterness comes from a bitter hop and when it comes from a not very bitter hop. It, I, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it, it's weird, and I don't know really how to describe it. Well, there's, there's a different character to the bitterness. Th- there really is, and it's that kind of character coming from a not bitter hop that I find very appropriate for this style of beer because it's uh, it, it's more mellow. It 
uh, flows with the flavor as opposed well, to we being. Keep, we keep talking. I I'm I don't mean to interrupt you here, but we keep talking about this style of beer. Um, and while you're talking, would you mind uh, looking up the BJCP style guideline quick? Sure. Um. Yeah. Just so just so we can give everyone a baseline. Yeah. We are talking about uh, Oktoberfest or Märzen. 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 Gotta love a good Märzen. Märzen. Um, so commercial Oktoberfest, what are some of your favorite? Um, oh, Hacker Shore, I, I think Hacker has Shore? to be up at the top. I don't think I've had that one. Hacker Shore Oktoberfest is, is, is fantastic. I don't really, it, it's hard to, well, words are hard at yeah. the moment when I'm I like, to... uh, I like Shell's Oktoberfest and, uh, Staghorn are my, probably my two go-tos. Um... Liney's Liney's is an Oktoberfest, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it, it's, and it's, 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 it's not right. bad. No. It's not bad, but it's it used to be my go to. Like Liney's Oktoberfest to come out and I would snap that up and just destroy it. <laughs> All right, I got it up here. What uh what qualities are you looking for? Just uh give us the overview real quick. Uh I'll read the overall impression here for you. Smooth, clean, and rich flavor with a depth of malt character. This is one of the classic multi styles with a maltiness that is often described as soft, complex, and elegant, but never cloying. And I think the not cloying part is, is very the, important. Is very, very important that I think a lot of a lot of uh, breweries don't get quite right. Uh, I, I won't say they're doing it wrong, um, but it, it, it in my in my personal opinion, it can be a make or break as to whether or not I really enjoy an Oktoberfest. Um, it just has to be this smooth, elegant, like everything fits together really, really balanced. Yeah. No, it, like Oktoberfest is one of those beers that if you have one element out of whack, it's off style and could be in a completely different style. I mean, you, t- you make an Oktoberfest that's a little sweeter or something, and y- it could be it could end up going into like the Doppelbach category or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think you did a very good job of finding a really good balance. Yeah. Well, and for my first Oktoberfest uh, attempt, I'm going to give it I'm going to give it a success, I think. Very much, I would say it's a success. Uh, it, like I said, it's very. It clearly tastes like an Oktoberfest. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Th- if this was a blind guess, I would have guessed Oktoberfest hands down. Uh, so okay. that's good. It's got the right color. I don't know. Maybe I wished it was a little more red, but yeah. Whatever. Um, it well, it like the color itself reminds me a little bit of like uh, caramel corn. Like it has just that golden brown, not quite as well, red as I personally would yeah. like. But <clears throat> if it tastes good, then you know I'd I'd rather it taste good than then look good. Than look good. But to be fair, it does look good. It's a very pretty beer. It is, well, and I'm surprised. Like so, I've pulled like little samples and stuff out and like tasted it and been like, okay, you know, I'd. It's okay, I guess. <laughs> and but the one thing I'm very happy about is the head retention. Yeah, it's yeah. I I think this might be one of my better uh beers that in that aspect this with is, this sticking around. This is commercial commercial beer level head. Yeah. 
Right, it, it's sticking it, to the glass. It, yeah, the lacing's beautiful. It's and it's there. We're I don't know. This is thirty, forty minutes since we've poured this beer. Yeah, and it still has a nice head, thick froth. Yeah, no, it's mm, throth froth. So yeah, clearly a success. Uh, there is still room for improvement, obviously, but ah, uh, heck, good start. Running. Oh start. yeah, not bad at all. Uh um, hang on one second. Here. Sure. Oh well, hang on. <laughs> uh, so we uh, talking about Oktoberfest again. What what would you say about Staghorn? We drank a lot of it. Uh, Staghorn is not my favorite, um, but I I I enjoy it well enough. Okay. Uh, what I, would you change about it? Just out of curiosity. I mean, I, I know we don't have it sitting in front of us right now because the keg's not it, it, Immediately up, speaking, a little more maltiness. It is a pretty, uh, I guess, not... Thin's not... It's not... It's light-bodied. Yeah, light-bodied. E- easy-bodied, maybe? Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, there's just not enough oomph to it. It's, it's too lagery. Honestly, yeah. Like, that sounds like a very weird saying, but it's awkwardly accurate. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, like, Oktoberfest, it, I feel like it rides that line between ale and lager. And, <laughs> like, it's, it's definitely on the lager side pretty firmly, but there's some characteristics that you associate with ale, like the sweet maltiness and mm-hmm. the full body and all that. Yeah. And uh, there's nothing uh, explicitly wrong with it, but I, there are many examples out there, in my opinion, that are just better. Mm-hmm. So that's not supposed to be a criticism or a critique. Yeah. Uh, so as far as the the quiz or our topic today, uh, I think it's Oktoberfest. Might as well be. <laughs> uh, I wanted to to talk uh, just for a couple of minutes, I guess, about the state of mind or the mentality you want to have when you're about to actually brew a beer. Okay. Because it, it's been on my mind. Uh, for a while now, and one of the things is it, you have to have the right mentality when you want to actually brew a beer. And otherwise, I, I think a lot of mistakes happen, Yep, intentionally or otherwise. You need to be in the right headspace. Yeah, so where where are you up in the head when, when you're about to brew a beer? What what are your thoughts? What are your goals? Um. So I guess I... I've used this word and it's not it's not the right word, but I'm gonna keep using it. Uh, so when when I when I uh, brewing beer for me is kind of like a zen like experience. Um, when I have to be in the headspace where I know that for the next four to six hours I have nothing like no other pressing matters. I don't have to be anywhere, do anything. I can just brew, and then. Um, I have to have all of my ducks in a row. <laughs> I, I do. I have to have uh, my grains ready to go. I have to have my yeast starter uh, ready and all my equipment cleaned. And so then um, I wake up and I just I don't think I don't like I don't think about anything other than the brew itself. Sure. Fair enough. Um, one of the things that I find for myself is that I want to brew with somebody. 
and I'm the exact opposite. Yeah, which is fine, and that's yep. perfectly okay. Uh, when brewing by myself, I feel like it ends up being more of a job and less of and An less of my passion. Yeah. Um, because like brewing a single gallon of beer is extremely non-taxing, like physically or mentally, or even with the time that goes into it, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find that um, when I brew a sing- single gallon on my own, that it takes more effort to put myself into that mood and into that mode than when I'm about to brew 20 gallons uh, you know, over the course of a weekend with, with Eric because I am just ready and rearing to go. I'm yep. ready to just spend some time with my best friend make some amazing beer and I will exhaust myself physically just putting all my literally all of my efforts into doing well and I don't know I I think it was really interesting to to sit back and think think about that about think about myself. the different yeah no there's well and there's a lot of people like to do it different ways mm-hmm. um I I mean I I do uh the occasional like partnership brew Yep. and those are those are fun, but it's it's a different type of brew. Yeah, they're they're goal oriented. I mean, you you actually have like more than just I'm going to make some beer, and more than just it's going to be a Zen moment. It's we're collaborating to make this. Yeah, you're collaborating to make special. this thing. Yeah, that you can be really proud of. Whereas if I'm brewing a batch of my own, it's okay. I'm making beer that we can in, that you know. People that I know can enjoy, mm-hmm. but more importantly than that, I have this time where I can sit outside, enjoy the weather, and just kind of not have any other responsibilities. Yeah, and and you you run a very different lifestyle than yep. I do. You're busy a hundred and ten percent of the time, <laughs> and that's not really an exaggeration. Which is is too bad sometimes. It I is. Guess. It <laughs> is. Uh, no, I I think a, a lot of it is. I really enjoy home brewing with people to the extent that those around me help inspire me into that mood that I can't just decide to be like I'm going to make an awesome beer like right now. Yeah. No, I as it, it puts me in like this super creative mood, you know, I get to share an amazing brew with the person next to me and talk about it like I can Oh, that's the other thing. I don't drink while brewing anymore. Well, at least solo. It it for us it helps get our senses tuned into what we're trying to accomplish. It puts our heads in the right place so that we're actually thinking about the tangible thing that we're trying to make. You know, because normally it's like, oh, we're making a stout. Let's drink some stout. Oh, we're making a pale ale. Let's drink some pale ales. For me, it's uh, oh man, I've had four beers. Did I remember to uh, write that? Ah, uh, well. What? How? How many more minutes on the? Ah, doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we've done well in the past to to temper our sobriety in reference to brewing at the same time. Um, I don't know. That's just that's just where my no, head. I've is had at. I've had enough batches that could have been amazing had I been sober. <laughs> so we've been there too. <laughs> we've been there too, and I've never had one turn out better because I was imbibing. So I guess the uh, the short version would be: I I think it's a good exercise for for a person to sit back and think about what actually helps them 
to do well when they're brewing. Yeah, and if you, I, I highly recommend if you haven't had the chance to do like a group collaboration brew, uh, seek that out. Find somebody who's even tangentially interested in brewing beer. They don't even have to be a home brewer. Yeah. Uh, just grab them and be like, hey, let's make a beer together and see what happens. Like I've, I've done that. Uh, my buddy Pete, not a home brewer, uh, but he really likes beer. And so we were talking one night, and he's like, man, I really like, you know, like I want, I really like like coconut chocolate stouts or like yeah. milk stouts. Yeah. And I was like, well, why don't we make one? And so we did the research together to figure it out and we, we split the cost and we made a 10 gallon batch of milk stout, which was a good milk stout. Yeah. We made one at the same time, I think. Yeah. What? Or right around the same time. Yeah. It, it was in and around completely that independently. Yeah. Independent thoughts, independent beers. But it was also really interesting. Uh, at the same time, to the different processes that we used, yeah, very different, and it, yeah, it was just enlightening. Um, getting other people involved is always a good learning experience. Mm-hmm. There's no one right way of brewing a beer, and yeah, there's that. All right, guys. Well, uh, sorry about this episode being late this week. Uh, that's totally Miles's fault, 110 percent. Though he'll blame his cat. Yes, <laughs> yes, I will. <laughs> uh, but uh, if you'd like to support us, head over to patreon.com slash studios or uh, click on the Amazon link at the bottom of our homepage and do some uh, Amazon shopping. Or if you'd like to buy a t-shirt, head on over to store.blindnewsstudios.com or click on the store link at the top of our homepage. Um, and if you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindnewsstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash studios, or you can follow us on Twitter at blind underscore ninja. And I'll see you guys next week. Bye.